how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Matt Escondore believes filmmakers learn by doing. While making shorts like The Taking, he was chosen by Mark Burnett and Steven Spielberg to participate in the Fox Filmmaker competition on the lot. Soon after, he filmed a handful of indie thrillers like Victim and the contained thriller 12 Feet Deep. Now he's working directly with Bruce Willis on two films, Trauma Center and The Long Night. The first is about a woman trapped overnight in a trauma center while two men are out to silence her. And the second, Willis stars as Frank, a disgraced doctor held hostage by criminals on the run. In this exclusive chat, the writer-director talks about creating your own opportunities as a filmmaker, how making shorts unveils strengths and weaknesses, why film school is all about relationships, when to put a project aside, and how to create eternal monsters in cinema. If you enjoyed this interview, look for the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website and join thousands of viewers for the new YouTube series, Creative Principles, which dissects new films, series, and more. I've always been uh, into film and uh, filmmaking, you know, even as, as a college student, and then I transferred to USC Film School, and that's when I really dove into the, you know, the process of understanding writing, understanding stories, understanding characters and plot and, you know, the three-act structure and kind of just diving headfirst into that and, uh, you know, learning as much as I could. And I think film school was my first sort of foray into that. You're kind of known within the psychological thriller area. It seems, I feel like years ago, it was like genres felt limiting, but now it feels like as long as you stick to the rules, you can do what you want to do. What are kind of your, your interests in genre? What films did you look up to from an early age? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's always interesting, you know, finding finding ways to blend genres or taking a genre or a traditional sort of genre and finding a new twist on it or a new turn. I think that's always something that, that appeals to me. And I always like movies that, you know, let's say, for instance, one of my, you know, classic movies is like Predator, right? That's, that's, it's an action movie a military action movie, but then 40 minutes into it, it turns into this supernatural sci-fi crazy sort of like horror film where they're being attacked by this creature. So, you know, I love, you know, genres or stories or telling, you know, finding scripts or writing scripts where you play with the audience's expectations of that genre or blend it with other genres. So, you know, there's a lot of different films over the years, I think, that have done that effectively. And um, and those are always, to me, what appeals to my taste as a filmmaker. 
What was kind of some of your interests? It looks like you started originally started making shorts where you were the writer and director. Did you create the shorts more as a learning process? Were you trying to showcase your style? What was kind of the idea behind some of those? Yeah, I feel like as a filmmaker, you know, the best way to learn is by doing. And, you know, making shorts is it's in many ways sort of like, a, you know, a mini version of learning how to tell a story or how to shoot a film or create characters and everything. So for me, you know, you know, as you know, as a filmmaker, you know, when I was in film school, I was kind of just you know, trying to learn the process and trying to understand what does it take and how do I do this? And, and writing shorts is, it's almost like, um, it's like, you know, when an athlete or, a, or, or somebody practices by doing, you know, let's say a hundred, a hundred pushups or, uh, hundred free throws at the at the free throw line, and then when it times come to you know to get to the the full game, they prepared themselves for that. So, you know, shorts are they're their own art in a, in many ways as well. Uh, you know, especially trying to tell a story in five minutes or ten minutes, it's a very different sort of narrative that you have to tell or display in that sort of format. But um, it does in many ways prepare you for long-form storytelling features uh, or even like television where you're doing long story arcs over across many seasons or many episodes. So definitely, I feel like as a filmmaker or somebody coming up, if you want to learn more about the process and kind of get your feet wet and practice, the best thing you can do is get together with your friends or find, you know, actors that you're, you know, that you know and cast them and stuff and shoot shorts, write shorts. When you write just one scene and, you know, let's write, write all the dialogue for that scene between a couple characters and then actually hear actors say the dialogue, that's when it actually comes to life. And then that's when you can really realize like, oh, wow, that's crappy dialogue. I need to rewrite that whole scene. It just doesn't sound There's like no subtext or... Uh, everyone's so on the nose or something, you know what I mean? It's not until you actually do it that you realize both your strengths and weaknesses as a writer. So did you know everyone involved or how did you kind of, did you build a team outside of just friends and, and actors? How did you kind of uh, just gather everyone to, to pursue your idea? Yeah, well, that's one of the things that, um, you know, we live in a time now where, I get I get asked a lot because of the access to technology and the access to the knowledge is so readily available now. People are always asking me, "Is film school still worth it? Like, what's the point of spending all that money to go to film school, or why? Like, why even do it?" And for me, at least, I know it's changed a lot. In you know, because I graduated from from film school ten years ago, so it's, it's a lot different world. But for me those relationships I was able to make and the people I was around and the other filmmakers I learned from and, you know, the actors that I met while I was there were where I was able to sort of at least start building relationships. So looking back, I think that was helpful for me personally as a, as a writer director was, you know, going to film school, meeting people, collaborating with them, learning from them, and kind of building relationships. Not all those relationships will will stay with you, you know, for your entire career. There's people that you'll meet, you know, whether in film school or right after, who you may do one project with and 
you'd never work with him again. But, um, you know, at the same time, I think just being in the film community and being, being around other screenwriters or writers, you, you have to get involved. I mean, nobody can do anything on their own. You need other people. You need other artists, creators to bounce ideas off of. Or, and it can be something simple like, uh, let's say, for instance, you write scripts, right? And you live out in the middle of, you know, Iowa or something. And you're like, well, I just want, you know, want somebody to read my scripts or it's so hard out here. There's no managers or agents or nobody's going to read my script. Well, you can get together with, you know, like a meetup group of screenwriters in your town. I mean, you can create one yourself. I'm sure there are authors or novelists that you can get together with and you guys read each other's material and critique it and get feedback. And so the, when you think you're ready to submit that script or that piece of material, that film to a festival or to a competition, you know that you've gotten feedback from friends or other creators and other artists who have honestly helped you get to where you think it's ready. Tell me a little bit about, I'm going to kind of jump around here, but uh, looking at your IMDb page, a short you make called The Taking came out in 2004. Um, 12 Feet Deep, a feature length, came out in 2017 where you wrote and directed. Did you kind of move towards mainly directing? Have you been writing the entire time? What's kind of, to fill in the gap a little bit with your, your history there for us and let me know what you've kind of been doing. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I studied, actually, ironically, I studied uh, critical study, film critical studies when I was at USC. So I wasn't either a screenwriter or a director. I didn't actually study either of those when I was in film school. So critical studies was basically just watching movies every day and critic, uh, you know, critiquing movies, which was actually a great way to uh, break down storytelling. So, so what happened from there is I always wanted to be a director. I always, I always saw myself as a writer-director. So it was always somebody who was like, well, you know, I want to write my own material, but then also just over the years working with other writers and collaborating with writers, I've realized I'm also good, you know, in terms of working, you know, and collaborating with screenwriters together. So just over my career, you know, it's all, and, and there's always moments in your career where you'll write a script. It's like a passion project and you really, really, really want to get that film made. And that's what would happen for me was like, let's say I made a couple of shorts out of UFC I won some awards, I got some press, some attention, I got an agent, I got a manager, and I was able to get uh, a couple movies off the ground in 2008, 2010 that were sort of independently financed, and I was kind of doing pretty well. So I was like, okay, well, I've done a couple movies. One of those were released through IFC, it was called Victim. Another one got released through Lionsgate, it was called The Gauntlet. So I was like, okay, now I can, um, you know, I've done a couple of these low-budget films now i can do like a big budget movie i just got to write the right big budget script and then so but unfortunately like getting those movies off the ground takes a while right so i spent a couple of years trying to get these bigger budget movies off the ground and it wasn't happening and i was you know kind of getting frustrated and and sort of losing faith as a filmmaker i was like what's going on here you know i can't get another movie off the ground this is frustrating so then I, that was kind of that time where I had like a moment of self-reflection. And I said, well, you know what, let me write a script or a story 
that I know I can get made, right? I mean, a single location thriller, uh, worst case, I can shoot this in my backyard with two actor friends and we'll make it work for 50 grand or 100 grand or something like that. And that's where I got into where it was like, I don't really want to, like, I don't really care if I don't get that $100 million movie or $20 million movie off the ground. Like, I just want to tell another story. I have that itch inside of me as a storyteller. I just want to tell another story. So I was like, well, let me think, you know, what, what's the script that I can actually get made? And then, you know, from there, I started researching uh, contained thrillers and locations that haven't been used for a contained thriller yet. And that's when, you know, I, I read some articles about people getting stuck in pools. And I was like, oh, this could be interesting. So that was sort of like the genesis for 12 Feet Deep. And then once we got that script written, I partnered up with a co-writer of mine, and we basically banged out that script in in like a month, right? And I was like, all right, I can shoot this movie. It's one location. We'll get this made. Meanwhile, I gave it to my manager and I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you can, yeah, if you find somebody to help produce this, great. If not, I'm just going to do it myself in my backyard with two actresses in a pool. But, uh, but yeah, he calls me up, you know, as I'm preparing to shoot this, you know, oh, hey, we sold the script to a production company. They want to pay you to make it. And I'm like, Oh, it's even better. Okay, we'll we'll do for them then. I don't have to pay for it out of my pocket. So, you know, so we shoot a, you know, so we end up shooting that film right away, and uh, you know, it actually kind of paid off because we got more money to do it. It was well written, and and that was the thing is I went into it knowing what kind of a film I'd have to be able to make. So I really focused in on the characters and the story arcs and and uh, the atmosphere and the tension and the suspense. So that script got a lot of attention, right? And it was able to get made quickly and, and it opened doors, right? It led to other opportunities that I never would have gotten had I just been waiting around or just hoping that, you know, I can sell this $20 million action movie or this $10 million drama, you know what I mean? Like you can't just wait around for opportunities. You have to create your own as a filmmaker, as an artist, you can't just hope that somebody is going to green light your story, right? You have to, you have to be on top of yourself hustling and trying to get your story out there and trying to tell your story. And if you can't tell that hundred million dollar story right now, that's fine. Just put it in the pocket or put it in the drawer and write something else, write something that you think you have a good idea that you can actually get made. So the contained thrillers, it, it's kind of, a lot of the stuff has been done. You know, there's there's Locke that came out recently where it's just Tony, uh, Tom Hardy in a car. There's Barry with Ryan Reynolds. Or how did you realize or how did you get to the conclusion where you could make a 90-minute film about the, tw- the in 12 feet deep? How did you come up with that whole, how did you stretch that, I guess, is my question. Well, I mean, it was sort of a, it was, it took a little research, obviously. So I was like, well, if we're going to do this, we need to find some location that hasn't been used before. And it took a while. I mean, it took a little bit where I was like, okay, well, this, what about this? And, and once I came across that idea of a pool and a pool cover closing in on these two characters, it was the, the tricky part became, okay, so now how do you create conflict within this situation, right? Because let's say, uh, let's say you have a character who's in a, in, you know, like open water, right? Those two characters about in the middle of the water and there's these sharks encircling them. Right. 
right there you instantly have conflict, right? You have an easy way to build tension, suspense. With us, when I wrote the script, I was like, okay, when I started, you know, outlining it, it was like, okay, they're stuck in a pool. Now what? Now how do we create conflict within this situation? We don't have sharks. There was a time where we were like, what if a snake slips in and goes through the cover? And I was like, no, we're not doing that. Like, we're not going to create some contrived, like, thing that slips into the pool with them. You know what I mean? That's not happening. So it it forced me as a writer to to really dig deep and realize, okay, well, this pull, you know, it's very metaphorical. It's this sort of, um, what is it? It's the belly of the whale, right? It's, you know, these two characters that are trapped literally in the belly of a whale and they're forced to not face an external monster per se, a shark, but an internal monster, a demon that they have within themselves uh, you know, and the backstory between them, which we fleshed out with, like, there's a father figure that was abusive to, abusive to them. And, you know, they've had this sort of brimming relationship and contentious relationship as sisters. So we're able to kind of, like, flesh out that story. And then we we're like, well, it'd be interesting. I mean, it's believable. There's a janitor there. So we created this other character outside who becomes sort of a foil for our own heroine, where... Uh, it became like, basically, if she doesn't, you know, our heroine doesn't get out of the situation and change her life, this other character who kind of torments them outside the pool is sort of like a dark shadow, a reflection of who she could become. And, you know, and it became like this interesting sort of like dichotomy and playing off of these, uh, these characters and seeing how long we could sustain the tension and seeing if we could create enough tension and suspense to last 90 minutes. Right. I mean, and it was challenging. It was definitely challenging. And I, I believe we, we did it. I mean, I I believe that the story holds up and it's a cool 90 minute little thriller. So it, it just depends. I mean, you have to trust your instincts as a storyteller and tell yourself as a, you know, as a storyteller, as a writer, how would I, you know, how would I get engaged and pulled into the story if I was telling it? And how can I kind of use the tools that I know as a writer to get the audience there? Do you think you had a different perspective when you made the decision that, well, not only do I like this idea, I'm going to write it, I'm going to write the whole thing, I'm going to make it, I'm going to think of it as a writer-director versus someone who's writing and then kind of just pitching query letters or whatever it is. Do you think there's something more to that full commitment that helped, you know, maybe they saw that in you or that made you write a better story? That's an interesting question. I do feel like there's a different sort of uh, perspective you take when you're coming in at it as like a filmmaker, right? Like a fully consummate, like I'm shooting this film. I have a vision for this film is how I see the film being made and shot and everything. But I, but I think even regardless, even if you're just a writer, if you're just a screenwriter and you have, you know, and you're fully committed to an idea, it really comes out on the page. I mean, I've read scripts like there's a script that, I, that we just did for a film called Trauma Center uh, that I thought was a really cool. I mean, the writer did a really cool job creating a tense suspenseful thriller and this is all set in a hospital right it's about this woman she gets shot in the leg she's forced to stay at a hospital overnight and these two bad guys who 
you know, they she witnessed them doing something and they want her, they want to silence her. They, it turns into this cat and mouse chase inside the hospital. So I, I really like that story. I was like, oh, wow, this writer, you know, he did a great job. And he probably was like, similar kind of scenario that I was in. He's like, well, let me create a cool cat and mouse thriller in a location that hasn't been done a lot, which is a hospital. And let me see if I can craft a story around that. And you could tell just by the passion of it because of the research that went into it and the authenticity that was behind the story. And the script just, it was so good that it made its way up the ladder, right? He queried it and it was on the blacklist and it got a good review on the blacklist. And then a producer found it and then a manager rep the writer. And then next thing you know, the script is getting produced and I'm directing it, right? So it all just depends. I feel like if you have that passion to tell a story and whether whether you're just writing it and you're a screenwriter or whether you're you know, that writer director who's like, I know how to, you know, I, I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to shoot it myself too. It just, as long as you have that passion, I feel like it'll come through in the story. Do you feel like uh, we're more limited these days with so many movies have been made, so many are being made each year and, and TV shows uh, to that extent that when you do come up with something originally, you really kind of have to go fully after it. Do you kind of feel that way about coming up with scripts or finding scripts? Well, we live in an interesting time, right? Where, Everything is either a remake or a reboot or a franchise or an IP or, you know what I mean? And people say that, you know, oh, original ideas are so rare. They're not out there. Or, I mean, Hollywood has always been about, right, like Ben-Hur has been remade like three times. You know, even in the 50s, that was remade from a 1930s silo film and, Gone with the Wind was based on a book. And you look at a lot of those noirs that Orson Welles directed, they were based on books and pulp novels. And so it's weird that people are like, oh, it's like, oh, it's an original story or, you know, you got to jump on it. I mean, I do think that stories that are told with a unique perspective and when you do come across a script that has like a unique voice or feels authentic or original, there definitely is that impetus to, you know, that people, you're drawn to it more than if you read a script like, oh, this is, you know, just another franchise movie or this is based on this other movie or this feels like this other movie. So definitely, I think, you know, anytime, not just me, I hope, but I think other people, too, producers, other directors, writers, or executives, when they come across an original idea, it, there's always that little impetus more of like, oh, wow, this is cool. We got to we got to push this and try to see what we can do to get this made because it's different, it's unique. So you've got some movies coming out where you're listed as the director. There's The Long Night, Trauma Center, you mentioned, mentioned in Absolution. Are you kind of uh, tweaking these stories? Are you working with the writers to make them kind of your perspective? Or how do you kind of take a script and bring it to the screen? Yeah, well, it's, it depends on the project. So, so for instance, Long Night and Trauma Center, those are scripts that I didn't write but I was hired to, I'm hired to direct them. Right. And every project, the director, they're going to want to bring their perspective into the story. Right. Because no matter what the script is, the director has their kind of vision for it and their take on it. So they're going to always be like, well, I'm going to focus on these relationships or, you know, the relationship between these two characters are really important to me or, 
you know, I want to kind of come in and focus in on that. So, and there's also the reality of making a movie, right? The production process. So when I read a script, I look at it and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to direct this movie. Okay. And then I go to the producers and line producer and I say, how many days do I have to shoot this movie? 20 days, 15 days, 14 days. Who's my cast? Like who are going to be able to cast for this? Right. So all, and then where are we shooting? What's the location, right? What, like, where is this going to be? Like, so all those things have a huge impact on the script itself. So what'll happen is like, like say for instance, trauma center up when I read that script, I was like, this is a cool script. Okay. Guess what? We're shooting this in Puerto Rico now. Okay. And then guess what? The two bad guys were casting these two actors in that. You're like, oh, okay. That totally changes the dynamic. Okay. And then we're also going to, uh, you know, we're bringing in, uh, you know, X, Y, Z amount of days. So you only have like 14 days or 12 days, which is what I had to shoot that movie. I only had 12 days. So I was like, oh, this is a cool, fun action set piece in here. There is no way we're going to be able to shoot this. You know what I mean? Like, so... I have to work with the writer or depending on where we are in the process, literally he's shooting in three weeks. I have to get in into the script and just rewrite at the action set piece or alter the, you know, the, the character for the actor that was cast or for instance, Puerto Rico, right? The entire script for trauma center was set in like Miami or LA or whatever, right? Some random hospital in America when we actually were going to be in Puerto Rico, there's, you can't hide the fact that you're in Puerto Rico. Right. So I had to get in there and alter the script so that it fit that world. Right. So any script that I get, you know, offered to direct, you know, first thing I do is obviously is the storytelling strong or the characters interesting and unique. And, you know, what's the audience perspective into the story. And then, yeah, and then I'll go in and I'll be like, okay, well, these are the interesting stuff we need to highlight or I really like these elements, or we're going to have to, you know, so it'll be a collaborative process with the writer. Uh, and, and at some point, you know, once we're three weeks into production and I'm having to kind of tell us, you know, rework the script on the day, there's just, there's things that happen and there's stuff that you're constantly rewriting. And that's the thing is, I remember in film school, one of the things we learned early on was a film is written three times, once on the page, once on the set and once in the editing room, right? So there's no, you know, we finished the script, it's done, this is the movie. It never happens like that. It's impossible. You know what I mean? A film is, there's three different times where it's rewritten again. And once it's actually edited and turned into the distributor and released, that's the final written version of the movie. So that's how you have to go into it. Yeah, a lot of people definitely have like a misconception of the director's vision as this thing when he gets the script and it turns out exactly how he wants it. How do you kind of keep the theme though? Like what's your North Star with Long Night or Trauma Center? You're changing things, but how do you kind of, what are you holding on to that holds you down the line, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question because a lot of times when you're making films with tight schedules or tight budgets or you know, you're trying to tell a story and you're making compromises and you're like, ah, you know, how do I get to, you have to, like you said, have that North star, have that sort of core thematic element that you're trying to tell. So that you're like, okay, as long as we're getting the story that I want to tell, then we're going on the right page. And for me, 
every movie that it's a different thing, right? So, for instance, on Trauma Center, in my in the back of my mind, I was always like, this is a cat and mouse chase about two uh, sisters, right? So it's about this sister and her sister gets, you know, she's helping her other sister inside the hospital. So the core element to me was always like, are we getting the suspense? And am I going to, and is the audience going to care about this, these characters and the situation that they're in and that emotional arc that happens. So as long as those things were there, I was like, the rest of the stuff is just, we can find a way to make it work, right? We'll find other ways. We'll cut it out or we'll do this. But like, as long as that core thematic element about these, the redemption of these sisters, then we're okay. And then with The Long Night, that was a different kind of a story. But um, that one, it was a father-son thing. And in the back of my mind, I was always like, okay, you know, this is a psychological thriller. It's all set on a farm. And Bruce Willis is playing the grandfather, the patriarch. And he has this sort of contentious relationship with his son. And they bond throughout the film. And they kind of come together at the end. And the son learns that some things in life are worth fighting for or whatever, no matter what else the rest of the freaking movie is and the shit you got to deal with and actually making it and all the other things that happen. As long as we have that core relationship, as long as you have that core thematic thing running through it, we're going to be okay. Right. I would just tell myself, we're going to be okay. We made our day. I got those little pieces of the puzzle that I needed to tell that father son story and as long as I was getting that, I always, in the back of my mind, felt uh, good about it. Is Bruce Willis in both of these films, you're, two of these films you're working on? Uh, yeah, Bruce Willis was cast in both of them, actually. Was, was that a coincidence, or how did that kind of come about? Uh, no, it wasn't a coincidence. So it was the production company, MoviePass Films, and Lionsgate. They have a, uh, they have a distribution deal with... Uh, with Bruce, and he's like on a three-picture deal, and the first film was a film that he'd already been attached to. There was a different director that was going to direct it, and uh, they brought me in after you know after a little bit of development to come in and direct that film. And then we had such a good experience working with Bruce that they were like, hey, Bruce was like, do you want to do another movie? And I was like, oh yeah, let's do another one. So it was sort of that um, kind of leading to the next opportunity to work with him. And that used to kind of be the norm, but that's kind of changed, right? Like it's it's less common for actors to have those picture deals like that. Yeah, it's it's more common in the uh, sort of genre world, right? I mean, studio big studio movies, it doesn't really exist unless you're talking about like you know Robert Downey Jr. has a ten picture deal to do all, every Marvel movie, or you know, let's say Robert Pattinson just signed on to do Batman for three movies. Like those kind of franchisey kind of stuff happens. But usually, yeah, you don't have uh, an actor sign on to do three random different movies with us. Like any three movies, you know what I mean? That's so it's a little different. But Bruce is sort of like, you know, he's he's a name that sells. People, like, as soon as you see his name, you're like, oh, John McClane, you know what I mean? So instant recognition, and it's a name that sells internationally. And, and um, these days with... Um, with the way that the indie film market has changed so much internationally and domestically, now you need a star in the movie to be able to get the movie made. Like it's just the reality of it is unless you have, 
you know, Gerard Butler's or the Bruce Willis's or those sort of names, it's really hard to get uh, a certain level of budget for a movie. Do you feel kind of a greater responsibility with each film that you're making as you are getting bigger names, maybe more complicated projects? How are you kind of looking towards the taking on the responsibilities of the things you haven't done before? Well, I feel like every film, you know, you want to go into it thinking in the back of your mind, this could be the last movie I ever make, so I want to do the best I possibly can on it. So, you know, every time I get offered a, a project to direct to me, you know, and I decide to direct it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit the two years that it's going to take to make this movie, then I'm going to, you know, really dive into it with full passion. And, and yeah, there is that sense of responsibility of, okay, you know, I'm getting to work with, you know, bigger names or bigger budgets or bigger sort of production levels. So, you know, there is that sense of responsibility to tell the best story you can, right? Or, you know, to twist upon the genre and do something different or unique or within the limitations that you're given, right? I mean, there's a there's a limit to what you can get away with based on, you know, what you've been given. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely go into it thinking, like, okay, how can I how can I really elevate this material or how can I really do something different here? Do you feel like like how difficult was it to shoot twelve feet deep? Was that was that something where you may not come across something as hard as that, or was it did you find your footing rather well in it? Yeah, well that was one of those things where, you know, like we talked about, I was like, Oh, let me shoot a self contained thriller, one location, a pool. It's never been done before. Oh, it's gonna be easy, it's a pool, right? It's what's so hard about that. But then once you start doing it, you realize, oh, maybe there's a reason why people don't shoot one-location movies in the freaking water because it's so damn hard to shoot in the water. So, yeah, that was an incredibly challenging movie to make because water slows everyone down, the crew, the cast, uh, there's safety issues involved. So, you know, there's a reason why low-budget movies or, you know, indie movies don't shoot a lot in water because it's not easy right so so that's why it was like that was a really challenge that but that one i had a little bit more time to do i had like 15 days 16 days to shoot so it was a little bit more comfy and i thought oh this is hard to do a movie in 15 days and then you know i do my first bruce movie and i have 12 days and i'm like you're killing me man i mean i'm looking at producers i'm like 12 days like how do we shoot a movie in 12 days but um then that was different sort of like you know different sort of issues trying to complete a film in that short of a shooting schedule is incredibly challenging in its own way. Besides possibly, a, uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, so 12 feet deep, let's say you wrote the script. What's the difference between you making it for, let's say five or 10,000 and someone giving you 50,000 to make it? Is it just the, the camera gear and the crew or what's the big difference in those two budgets? Yeah, I think the, the the biggest difference in those two budgets is production value on screen, really. I mean, although that gap is getting less and less and less over the years, I mean, I was just, you know, I was talking to some other filmmaker, and he's like, oh, we shot our movie on film, and I was like, why? You know, like, it was a low-budget movie, and they shot it on film, and I'm like, why the hell would you shoot a low-budget movie on film? I mean, that you realize you just crapped out, like, 60 grand or 70 grand for nothing, right? You know what I mean? So uh, when you're, you know, the two different budget levels, there's no difference in, in, in terms of, you know, the storytelling, right? I mean, you can still tell, this, tell the same story. There's a difference in the 
probably in the quality of actors that you can get. You know what I mean? Because if we have 50 grand, now we can actually go to some real bigger name actors or whatever. So like 500 grand, oh, we can actually get Tobin Bell and some, you know, some name actors. And, and there's a difference, right? I mean, when you make a movie in your backyard for five grand, I mean, yeah, you can rehearse the hell out of it and do everything you can. But chances are you're going to be working with amateurs in terms of the actors and, and whatnot, which is fine. It's a different kind of a story that you're, you're forced to tell. Versus if somebody gives you the money to do it and you can actually cast, you know, professionals and you can actually, you know, hire a real crew or a union crew. I mean, there's there's differences. And, you know, but at the same time, it, it, if you have a compelling story, ultimately, that compelling story is going to be the same, whether it was shot with 500 grand or 10 grand or 50 million. The compelling story is going to be the compelling story, whether it's you know, on a giant techno crane that you got the opening shot on or whether it's a little handheld thing that you shot on your iPhone. Like, if it's there, it's there, right? I mean, it's not going to change. Tell me a little, just briefly, what what was the award, or you were chosen by Steven Spielberg and Martin Burnett. What was that, and what do you think about your entry or, or short stood out to these guys? Yeah, that was uh, God. That was a while ago. It was uh, it was for a reality show called On the Lot, and um, what it was was actually the short film that I did, The Taking, which won uh, Best Student Short at uh, Screenfest. That was it was a well done, tense, suspenseful thriller with some good performances in it. And I think and and what that was, it was like it opened some doors into that reality show. It was a, it was basically like a. Uh, American Idol, but for filmmakers, it was it was a show that only lasted a basically a season. It was kind of badly done show, to be honest. Uh, and I didn't get very far on it either. It was like a sort of like a reality show competition. I only made it to the second episode, so it was kind of like, oh, that was a bummer. Like, what was the point of that? You know what I mean? But it did open some doors in the sense of like, you know, I met some people, and it didn't directly lead to anything by any means, but. Being able to have that on the the resume or whatever was kind of cool to be like, oh yeah, I was on this reality show with, with Steven Spielberg and Mark Burnett. I got to meet Mark Burnett, and he actually watched all the shorts of like the twenty top candidates, which was kind of cool. I'm like, oh, okay, so you know, I was selected from among fifty thousand filmmakers to be in the top twenty five. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know. And it was a time; it was a while ago. It was a time in my career where. I think I needed that sort of boost of confidence of, you know, can I keep going? You know what I mean? Like, uh, do I have any talent at all? Okay. You know, maybe I should, you know, change careers or something, but you know, that was sort of like a validation of like, Oh, okay. I might have some shot at this. Right. I mean, it's some other people are saying you're okay. Then maybe I can keep going. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think, you know, competitions and different, uh, different stuff like that as an artist do help you because they give you sort of like a validation that you're doing okay. You're a semifinalist. You submitted your script at some competition and out of 50,000 scripts, your script was a quarter finalist or a semifinalist. So that means, okay, yeah, I didn't win the competition, but that validated my artistry, right? So there's definitely some, uh, some positives to, to doing stuff like that. Uh, before you made your first feature, so moving from some shorts to full length, is there any advice that you wish you had or any advice you pass on to would-be filmmakers? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first time you make a feature, I think going into it, uh, I think the best advice to have is go into it with a collaborative, you know, uh, spirit, basically, right? You're the director, but you're not the dictator, you know what I mean? Going into it knowing that you have to go in there and accept people's ideas and trust the people that you're working with and trust that there's these other artists in different departments that you want to hear what they have to say and you want them to be invested and contributing to the feature, to the film that you're making. If you can go into it like, no, this is my movie or this and that, like, no, you got to go into it being like, this is our film. You know, we've been given this opportunity and we're going to tell the best story we can possibly tell. So go into it with that sort of collaborative spirit and you'll be much more thankful when the experience is over because you're going to make friends and then the people in the process are going to want to keep working with you and continue to help you. And you'll just grow as an artist. You become better at your job. You become a better filmmaker when, uh, you know, the people that you're working with are pushing you and giving ideas and you're bouncing back and you have that ability to, to kind of learn from them. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.